there's a documentary film that will hit theaters next month, and it's already attracting feverish media attention as a must-see movie of the year. It's about a Korean-American immigrant named Tarsu Leap. He was wrongfully convicted of murder in the 1970s and sentenced to death. His obvious innocence triggered a massive Asian-American social justice movement, and at the heart of it all stood one strong Japanese-American woman who made uncompromising efforts for one, who, one whole decade to fight for his release. Today, we have the privilege of meeting with Ms. Ranko Yamada, a community activist, retired attorney, and a close friend of Charsu Lee. Uh, thank you so much for joining us, Ms. Yamada. It's a pleasure to meet you. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you so much for showing an interest in uh, Charsu Lee's story. It's very important one to us, and we hope to all of your, your listeners as well. Uh, we hope so, too. Um, just in case some of our listeners are unfamiliar with the incident, can you take us back to the 1970s when Tarsu Lee got arrested? Who was he back then? And why was he mired in a wrongful conviction of first-degree murder? We are talking about San Francisco, California, which has a very large uh, Chinatown. It also has a Japantown. But uh, a Koreatown did not exist in the past, nor does it exist uh, in the present. So Chosu Lee was a 20-year-old Korean man who was living on his own and in a very vulnerable position. He had a difficult time growing up, um, and he came to the United States when he was 12, pretty much on his own. He had a history of minor arrests, uh, such as um, oh, running away from home or, mm. or shoplifting, small, small um, mm. arrests. So that's who you have. That's Chosuri on the one hand. And then on the other hand, you have a very, very organized, aggressive police force mm. that has been directed by the mayor of San Francisco to clean up Chinatown, to stop the violence that's happening there, and to make arrests for several unsolved murders that had occurred. Chinatown brings an extraordinary amount of money to the city of San Francisco. And if uh, people are scared away, the tourists don't come, that money doesn't, um, isn't generated. Hmm. And that's the context for which Mr. Tarsuli was arrested back then. Uh, petty yes. theft that would be uh, could easily pass along as youthful indiscretions. And these small instances used against him and, again, wrongfully convicted of first-degree murder. Uh, Miss Yamada, I must ask you what your personal motivation was to get so deeply involved in the case. You're so passionate and determined to free Tarsuli uh, that you actually enrolled in law school and subsequently became an attorney. And in an interview dating back to 1979 on the Koreatown Weekly, you said, when E was sentenced to death, you felt pain like being cut from a knife, calling it the most painful moment of your life. So what motivated you to get involved in E's defense and bring justice? That, um, that quote that uh, you're stating is from the 1979, from the prison con um, from the prison killing, mm. I'm, ah. the, I'm not 
sure which one that is. There, this is such a complicated case with uh, multiple, so many uh, court hearings and court dates and overlapping, um, mm. overlapping trials. But yes, yes, that vein, that pain was quite visceral. It's um, it's when you have tried the hardest and the best that you can do, and you feel like you fail. And you fail um, absolutely because this means death to somebody else. So, so yes, you're at the very bottom, and it hurts. It hurts so much because that's that's all. Um, I mean, you're lucky that all you do, all you end up doing, is feeling pain. But you have not helped Chosuli, uh, mm-hmm. and that. Very deep and real pain led you to become an attorney and come to your friend's defense. This this idea of innocent until proven guilty, uh, it, it seems to be not very evident in the case involving Mr. Tarsu Lee. And in fact, in the movie trailer, an Asian American man says it didn't take a genius to find out what went wrong, indicating that you was clearly thrown into an unfair and unjust judicial system in San Francisco back then. Uh, under such circumstances, what were some of the major legal hurdles you faced in the quest to overturn the conviction? We're talking about different times, different standards, and perhaps different media coverage. There is um, many of those standards still exist today. People who are indigent, um, who are poor, they may receive um, good representation. But in the case of Chosuli, he was arrested uh, for what the media and the police called a gang killing. Now, even that word gang hmm. is a full of bias. Hmm. Once you use that term, then, then you, you already have um, a guilty person. Hmm. So he was uh, arrested, um, and it... It was as if, uh, see, uh, uh, not as if, it was in fact, it did not matter that he wasn't Chinese. Mm -hmm. That these Chinese um, people that were uh, committing different crimes during that time did not have any Koreans or non-Chinese in their group. And the fact that uh, Chosuli was Korean, that makes all the difference to us. But, But authorities never even noticed it. Uh, that's not just misleading. I think that's wrongful accusation to its core, and that's what you fight against. There's another uh, famous journalist that we want to bring into the picture at this point, Ms. Yamada. Uh, at the top of the interview, you mentioned that there were hundreds of people who were involved in essentially uh, vindicating Mr. Charsuli's name. There was a famous journalist by the name of K.W. Lee, or Lee Kyung-won, uh, what was the involvement there? Tell us a bit more about him and his role in E's exoneration. Oh, this, um, the whole movement would not have really been created without KWV. Mm-hmm. He started it, and again, it goes to um, KW having an identity with Chosu Lee. He knew immediately um, who Chosu Lee was just as a person. Who had come from the um, had come to the United States um, 
And with that, he brought his own passion and his skills as a journalist, Mm -hmm. and he wrote articles that all of us then took out to a broader public to uh, tell people about this case. And that's what convinced people to join the movement and support Chosu uh, Lee. Mm-hmm. He was phenomenal. He, he really uh, took this case to heart and did such a thorough, beautiful job of investigation mm-hmm. and then continued, continued his commitment to the case. Uh, I want to talk about the movie premiere at Sundance in 2022. Uh, It earned high praise there. It was also aired in America's PBS early this year, reaching a wider audience throughout the United States. Uh, The documentary film is not only the chronicles of E's unlawful conviction, but is also a story of the birth of Asian American activism. To this day, this is very relevant. Uh, What do you think about the movie? And... How would you describe it to your friend E if he was still around? I thought the movie was brilliant. I have come to believe that uh, those of us who were involved in that movement, we have too much baggage and we couldn't have put it together Hmm. with that kind of perspective that it needed. Um, And uh, so the directors, uh, uh, Julie Hong, Eugene Gee, and that that whole um, production and film crew, they did uh, just an excellent, brilliant job at creating um, the case in an understandable way and letting uh, Chosu have his own voice. I think mm. Chosu would be so gratified mm. that his story is told and that people could see him more than just a symbol or, you know, or a criminal, but see more that whole person that he was. Miss Yamada, I mean, if we see the headlines, uh, the uptick of anti-Asian hate crimes, especially during the pandemic, there's work still to be done. Uh, The battle against racial discrimination and social injustice is clearly an ongoing issue to solve. And it's not just the Asian American minority. We're talking about many different groups of minorities in the United States. Uh, As a pioneer who stood at the forefront of the first ever large-scale Asian American movement, what do you make of the anti-Asian hate crimes today uh, that are still being witnessed? Yes, you hit it on the nose. It is ongoing, and it always exists, and it always takes... uh, a lot of vigilance. Um, Mm. So when it comes to the actual violence, those have to be suppressed and stopped immediately. And if it comes from higher authorities, they have to be called on to be accountable and to pay uh, the penalties because they stand higher than other people. Um, So those crimes, yes, they all always have to be confronted. But then you have to look a little bit higher because where does that come from? Why do people believe that this, these kind of violent and hateful acts are okay? Mm. You know, some of it occurs much, much higher up. And unfortunately, in the United States, um, our, a former administration in our recent past um, mm. really engendered a, a, a great deal of racist, thought and policy 
and allowed uh, that kind of legitimacy for then all people to uh, those who wanted to, you know, take it to heart and and uh, vent their own hatred. Mm-hmm. So we have to look at different levels. I think politically, uh, different people use that uh, specifically for their advantage, mm. for their power, for their influence. Um, and we have to be aware of that and to fight that. And yes, you know, amongst Asians, we need to be together, but mm. we really need to be together with all people. Mm. Um, and this has always been the attacks on blacks in the United States has always existed as well. Mm-hmm. And again, Latinos and American Indians, all indigenous people. So a coalition, um, gathering of forces, you know, of supporting each other, all of these become as critical as the attacks on the other side uh, mm-hmm. increase. Uh, Ms. Yamada, I-, I thought we might be short on time, so I skipped one of the questions early on. But because it, I think it hits a personal nerve, I think I want to go back. Uh, and it's on the concept of hope or hopelessness. Uh, before the historic Asian American justice movement began, you were the only person uh, Tarsu Lee could count on. You wrote him a letter reaffirming your faith in his innocence, supporting him when he even thought about taking his own life in prison. What were your thoughts to discover later he had reached this sense of hopelessness? Um, well, that's a, that's a realistic uh, feeling. Hmm. Uh, it's not... I don't think it's uncommon when you're imprisoned, and especially if you're there for uh, for all the wrong reasons. I mean, the world has gone crazy on you. I would, I would just try to, I didn't think that we would end uh, this whole movement to get him out until we had him out. So part of my job was to continue to encourage him. To keep fighting. It's yes, and it's it's hard that kind of communication uh, with someone who is in prison. You you can't say everything that you want to say. You uh, you must be um, very uh, guarded. Uh, but in learning how to communicate, you can uh, you can convey like strength and hope and encouragement, uh, which we which we did. Not just me. He got so many letters from mm-hmm. so many people. And Ms. Yamada, I, I do think uh, this documentary will bring light an important ongoing discussion in the United States and heading into an important presidential election next year, perhaps American voters uh, to reconsider who they vote for, who they put in office. This is one of the many issues to tackle. Uh, as a social activist today, what is your biggest interest or concern? Oh, I'm not <laughs> I'm not very active anymore, but I do give a peripheral kind of support where I can. Mm. I'm not in the middle. I'm not jumping into the middle of, of anything quite yet, although I do have my eye on working with um, the next elections. I am concerned about um, 
immigrant issues, mm. uh, the status of refugees in our country. Mm. You know, th- uh, there's quite a bit of controversy about uh, our borders mm. and how to treat people that are trying to enter the United States uh, for asylum. So I'm interested in, in, in those issues because they always remain vulnerable. They are always people that you could sweep aside and just get rid of them by, by keeping them from entering and never address those very uh, scary and serious uh, questions about their lives, many, many which have roots in causes by the United States. Uh, it's I, I wish we had all the time in the world to discuss all those issues in detail. But Miss Yamada, today our, our focus definitely was to bring more spotlight uh, to this documentary film that will be released come next month, Free Charsu Leave. We thank you very much for joining us this morning. We highly appreciate it. Oh, thank you. Thank you on behalf of my myself, but all of us, all of us who think that this is a very important film. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. Uh, hopefully we'll keep tabs and we'll watch the movie and get back to you, Ms. Yamada. We appreciate it. Oh, that's great. Thanks. We spoke to Ms. Ranko Yamada. She's a community activist, retired attorney, and a close friend to Mr. Chersuli. If you're listening to our program using the podcast service, just a reminder that we do go live Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. Korea Standard Time. So tune in and help us make the show more informative by giving us your input. See you bright and early on Good Morning Seoul.